0: Got time for a quick story? Creating music when you can't perform—it comes comes easy to some, maybe not so easy to others. And over the last year plus of the pandemic, as of the taping of this, which is May twentieth, twenty twenty-one, um, we've gotten some 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 fascinating new music from legendary artists says they've had time to work on music, even though in many cases they've not been able to perform. John Lodge is one of them. I interviewed John Lodge in the summer of 2020. He released a song called In These Crazy Times, The Isolation Mix. Well, he has another new song out, and this song is fleshed out with his band, the the 10,000 Light Years Band. Well, of course, his other band is the Moody Blues. But John works with the 10,000 Light Years Band on other material, well, we have a, another opportunity to chat with John because we have another new song from John Lodge. The Sun Will Shine came out on April 30th. Um, this is kind of leading up to, as as I understand it, uh, an EP and also part of an album. The EP on Reflection and also The Royal Affair and After, which is coming in September. The EP has these these new Th- this this new material uh we'd like we had talked last year via phone on in these crazy times and of course now we've got the sun will shine i'll start by asking this what when did you start writing this particular song just, the sun will shine uh well
1: when i was um uh, in lockdown last year uh when a pandemic uh really hit and uh, I was uh, marooned in Naples in Florida and uh, I thought what are we going to do so um I I, I built a little uh, studio uh, and started writing songs uh, and learned to uh, how garage band worked and everything else and I wrote a song called in these crazy times and that song was about me sitting on my own, locked down. And I thought, actually, that's what everybody is doing around the world. Everybody's locked down. So I wrote that song and released that. And uh, as the pandemic wore on, I realized, hey, we're gonna get out of this sometime. And uh, we must come out of it not with the frustrations and negativity of the lockdown period. Uh, I know it, for some people it was an awful, and still is an awful experience of what's going to happen to friends and family. But I think we've got to think about it coming out positively. If you come out positively and the people around you become positive, and if you come come out with joy and happiness, mm-hmm. people around you will come out with that. And uh, it was uh, that thought. I, I thought I'd r- write a song, and it, you know, the two mm-hmm. lyrics go. I put it down to a person. It doesn't. It's not a real person. The song is about a a hypothetical person. And then uh, it's like, I'm saying, life is not like that. Don't be negative. And show the positive side and say, life can be like this, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in the morning, the sun will shine on you. And that was the song in, in, in a nutshell.
0: How quickly did the lyrics come to you?
1: How did they? Or how quickly? It, they it, it it was sort of auto automatic writing, really. <laughs> I never know where, where the lyrics come from <laughs> or the music. To be honest, but the song really wrote itself uh, immediately. I pick my, I play every day anyway, and uh, I play for self amusement uh and uh, and that in itself is practice you know Mm -hmm. and um, i don't very very rarely do i think about sitting down and writing a song the song will come on its own if you if you let it uh if you go chasing things i've found in life that that it never works
0: Mm Um, when we, when we were talking about in these crazy times last summer, that was the isolation mix at the time. Um, mm-hmm. now this, correct me if I'm wrong, is this with the 10,000 uh, light years band, the The musicians involved with this? Are they the ones that provide a lot of the other instrumentation on this recording of The Sun Will Shine? Uh, the
1: song will show what the in these crazy times I recorded the whole thing basically by myself without anyone uh, except my wife and backing vocals, uh, my son on guitar, and John Davison from Yes singing backing vocals as well. But this, um, the new song, I wanted my band, the 10,000 Light Year, be part of it because they're locked down as well. They're in lockdown, they can't do anything. And I said, I thought, well, the best thing to do is get them involved. So I wrote the song, I recorded a demo of the song and sent it to Alan Hewitt, my keyboard and musical director really. And he put all the keyboard, all the orchestration down on a file with a tempo and I sent that to my drummer and the drummer put the drums on um, Billy Ashbaugh and he is in Florida and then I sent those files to the guitarist Duffy King up in uh, Detroit Duffy put the guitar on, and I sent the files then to jason sharpener by cello player for him to put cello well and he came back to me uh, and then i again got john davidson involved and john put the backing vocals on with me and also when i recorded the bass john uh, recorded the bass for me became my engineer and when i did the vocals john engineered the vocals as well so um it it was getting everybody involved that's what i wanted for this record so when the record comes out uh, as it is now uh, ever everyone is part of it
0: when with this pandemic having happened and doing parts all across wherever people are located for the most part i know for a lot of artists that it, 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 it's different from before you could get together in a studio but obviously throughout history especially as technology is advanced people sometimes will put their part down wherever they send the tapes around or send the files around as technology is advanced how a uh, comment on this post pan in the pandemic doing everything remote versus being able to record together. How, how have you guys adjusted? How did, comfortable do you feel with the concept of doing that? Do you think it's worked well, at least for you? How, well, what would you say?
1: Uh, it's for me, it's perfect uh, because it's like going back to the day one when uh, if, if you're a creative person, you want to capture the creativity straight away. And when uh, we recorded Days of Future Past, we captured everything straight away. Uh, Now with studios, with computers, engineers, producers, everything else, it's a way of life. It's not a creative part for me anymore um i could go in the studio now um and i wanted to record something but when they c- come up with an idea it takes ages to capture it everybody's fiddling about with a computer and everybody's fiddling <laughs> and i hate that i want to press a button and capture what i want because when the inspiration comes, you have to capture it. It's it's like, you know, uh, it's drop of rain coming. If you're in a desert, you've got to capture that. If you miss that drop of rain, it's a desert. And that's sort of the same way I feel. And I really like recording this way. Uh, and this way, everyone else um, involved with me, can record their parts when they really feel creative not though it's a three to six uh, session and they've got to do something for me and it may be well, what not what i want um, but this way i've seemed to have achieved what we were doing in the first place
0: uh you mentioned alan hewitt a little bit earlier i just Coincidentally, I interviewed him in late April about what he was working on, mm-hmm. and there was the, the beginnings of the tease of the Sun Will Shine were, were coming out about that time. So I knew this was was coming. I um, had a great chat with him. What what do you like slash admire about his creativity and what he brings to obviously playing live with the Moody Blues and working with you in the Ten Thousand Light Years band?
1: Well, when I first met, uh, I met Alan first time a long time ago uh, uh,
0: through the uh, our same
1: agent. Uh, he'd, uh, he'd written a song called Cherry Pie for <laughs> a band called well, Warrant. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got to meet Alan again later on, and um, we sort of figured, forget, forgetting about the music prowess of Alan, he hit me as a friend, and that was really important. Uh, we become like soul brothers uh, on a mission, uh, and he knew exactly what I was trying to do all the while. And I only have to say to Alan, oh, I think it should go this way, or oh, no. And we'd be really open with each other. And we couldn't... That's that's the way you have to do. If you want to explore things, you have to be open with it, each other. You can't let any ego get in the way of, at all. And Alan and I have a great report. We've just been recording together last week in Naples as well again. So, um, yeah, um, we have lots of fun together and, uh, you know, friendship, the if you get that combination working, it's for, for me, it's fantastic.
0: You mentioned uh, just working with them on on some other stuff. Have you been with understanding the songs that are going to be coming out of the EP and also the, on the, the full album? Have you been starting to work on some other ideas in the last few weeks, months or whatever that could be coming on a future project?
1: Uh, I don't. I, I'm always thinking about tomorrow. Always am. I never. People say to why do you, you write a book? I'm not interested so much in the fa- past spending my time there. I'm always looking for the future. And so I'm always uh, trying to think of new things, new directions. Uh, But one thing I'm looking at now, of course, is touring. And I hope we get back on the road. um, Because the band is a great band. They're wonderful musicians. And uh, I want to get that band on the road and play all my... Uh, classic moody blues songs, and uh, not just mine, but uh, keep the moody blues music alive uh, with uh, tributes to Ray, Mike, and Justin as
0: well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, we just passed the 40th anniversary of Long Distance Voyager. Uh, just five days ago, as of the recording of this interview, May 15th, 1981 is when it uh, arrived. What, uh, uh, first question, uh, at that time, and myself being a big Genesis fan, I know the, the a part of the story of that band was adjusting from them being a real progressive rock band in particular and gradually becoming a little more pop. But then especially the album that they came out with that year, Abacab, being much more pop sounding and adjusting to how music was changing at that time. Long Distance Voyager, you guys are working on that again around this time. This is just pre-MTV, obviously, but but you could tell music is changing from your background, f- f- the band's background, did you have any thoughts, any similar thought, going into the recording sessions of, we need to follow any sort of trend? Did you say, nope, we're going to do this, this is the music we come up with? What was the attitude of the band creating that album?
1: Uh, it was, we come off a live, two live tours, and we knew as a band we really acted, together it was really happening um, as musicians uh, and we were firing off each other so easily and we were, i went into the studio with that thought with this album has to be as live album as we can make it and every song and that al- album i think we've played on stage and it's the only album we've ever done that with and uh, you know uh, wrote the song uh, Gemini Dream with Justin uh, and the only long time no see uh, and it was exactly that um, uh, and we it was the first and only album we, we recorded in our own studio uh, Westlake audio studio and we got a new producer who was fantastic, a guy called Pip Williams. And all the cylinders were going. It's, it was like uh, you'd bought a new car and it didn't have eight cylinder, cylinders. It had 12. Uh, and uh, we, I think, I said at the time, we'd reached number 11 <laughs> on the amplifier. But <laughs> It felt like that everything we wanted to do in the studio, it seemed to happen. And uh, I'm really proud of that album, because Disco Tech was flying around the corner, MTV was flying around the corner. uh, And, uh, you know, it was against all odds, really. And it became one of the biggest selling albums. We've ever had, you know, and uh yeah, fantastic.
0: <laughs> and how did you embrace technology on that? Obviously, I mean there is there's I mean, the synthesizer <laughs> all over that with Patrick Moraz was playing and in the videos he's you know surrounded by synthesizers and everything. But I mean the bass when you when you hear like the bass line on Gemini Dream and to the listeners like, oh, that sounds like a it sounds like a synthesizer, but that you know part of the technology how did you as a bass player and understanding this was starting to go into the era of oh let's just program it let's play it on a keyboard as opposed to a bass guitar how do you playing that part in in the band how did how did you embrace technology as it was ever, emerging circa 1980
1: 81. Uh, the, I, I, the beginning of it, it was really fantastic but the technology started to take over. Uh, when producers got behind key, uh, the desk and started hiding everything uh, on a computer and you had no control and for me that's from from a recording point of view as I said earlier it started to detract because for me it wasn't about uh, the creative part it was Probably uh, whoever's in charge of the computer, they would put in their emphasis on what you were trying to do. And a lot of times, I think it took the uh, band in the wrong direction hmm. for me anyway. um
0: one more question about about the album and the creative process. What is your most hmm. special memory in the studio? Any, if there was a moment or working on a song or coming up with a part, what was your favorite memory of recording that album? Uh,
1: all of it. I liked all of it. it, 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 it so, uh, you know, I really did. It was exciting uh, time. Uh, we had uh, a great um, um, multi-track Uh, recordings, everything about it It was really exploring what we could do with the uh, keyboards and asking Patrick, hey, what about we've we've tried this or tried that or tried this? And uh, that was the exciting part all the while. uh, You know, I really enjoyed making that album.
0: Mm. Um, It's been 35 years since your wildest dreams came out and this is this just a personal thing that i've always wondered about well i finally got a chance to ask you on this the baseline on your wildest dreams and i could never figure out if that was a keyboard or if it was a bass guitar with processing on it and i i I can't tell so how the the baseline on your wildest dreams what was that
1: It, it was a keyboard uh that's what I was talking about. As you progress through the 80s, the, uh, whoever was in charge of that computer uh, processed everything. And it took it away from the creative part mm. of the Moody Blues uh, into the creative part of technology. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, that's where I think four, five years later, we really started to look at a different way of doing everything. And we realised the live concerts were really the Moody Blues. Mm. And we started touring a lot more. And we also realised at the time, although we did have uh, success with Wildest Dreams, the video, we weren't a video band because the secret of the Moody Blues music is for the listener to interpret it, their own feeling, of what it was. And suddenly, if you introduced a, dir- a director making a video with his idea what the song was about, and sometimes I saw the videos and think, no, that the this- song not about that mm-hmm. and uh, probably somewhere else in the band thought he was but that wasn't what the Moodie Blues music was like about for me so um, that's when we started doing long form videos they thought, that's where we are we're an album band, not a single band we should be a long form video band, not a MTV band <laughs> and um, that we, we did the uh, live at Red Rocks with the Colorado Symphony we did the uh, Royal Albert Hall with the London Symphony we did Greek Theatre we did um, a new version of Days of Future Past with the Toronto Symphony and for me the long form video was if you're going to record the moodies then you could watch the moody blues on stage or close your eyes and just listen to the music and let that transcend you somewhere where you want to be
0: that uh, reminds me of around 1992 around the time that the live at red rocks came out and i remember seeing that on pbs a lot and that was actually about the time i went to my first ever rock concert i, I was a Eighth grader and I went with my parents because they're big Moody Blues fans and and we went down to the Lacrosse Center in Lacrosse, Wisconsin and it was a, it was Chicago and then the Moody Blues I can just I can picture it right now being up in the upper deck of the Lacrosse Center and watching you guys perform around that time um, getting that full experience of of the full music and going oh there's Grammitch there's John Lodge down there oh this is pretty cool seeing all you guys down there so fast forward to this year in September. The Royal Affair and After. Now, this is again preview. What's coming up here? This is this is those those news new recordings, but this is also live music as well that will be on this collection. It,
1: it's all live music. Uh, it I toured with Yes in 2019. Uh, we recorded every night, and uh, I listened to everything, Um I found the performance uh, that is exactly what I or once for a performance from the Royal Affair tour. And I thought, what else going to do with it? I thought, I know. Um, I'll add uh, live footage from my concert tours afterwards. And uh, because I, I asked uh, Graham Edge, uh, I speak to Graham all the while, I asked Graham if he'd re-record the poem from days of future pasts so i'd like to uh, have the aired on my show as part of my concert and he did that for me and uh, i'm really pleased it sounded sounds great and alan did a great um, orchestration for it fabulous and then i do a song a, a tribute to mike a tribute to ray and a tribute to justin you know because I want to keep the moody blues music alive, and I listened to all that. And I thought, oh, that's it, that's you beyond. So the album is called "The Royal Affair and After." Are
0: we looking forward to that coming up later this year? And when does that EP arrive on Reflection? I, funny, uh, to be honest, I don't know.
1: Uh, the single is. A release now, uh, the sun will shine, and the other, I don't, I don't know, to be honest, when that's programmed in. Uh, it's both my pay grade.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we have the new song to listen to. That will tide us over for the time being. Uh, the sun will shine. Again, that, that's out as of the end of April. So yes, plenty of places to listen to it now. And then as we were just talking about the Royal Affair and after coming up in September. John, thanks once again for taking some time to, to chat with us and we'll look forward to more stuff coming from you down the road. Keep creating and this is really awesome. So thank you once again. Thank you, and
1: thank you, Wisconsin, all the fans there. Thank you for keeping the faith. Take care.
0: John Lodge of the Moody Blues, great, great chat with him. Getting that history as well. Uh, Me being history-minded always, I love talking about that. I could deep dive on, on those albums for hours, potentially. But, yeah, great to hear the new music coming from him. And, again, The Sun Will Shine, that song out. The upcoming album in September. You can learn more about what John is doing at JohnLodge.com. JohnLodge.com is on social media as well. Facebook is updated uh, quite frequently. He's on Instagram, so uh, you can get to his... um, his uh, social media sites as well, um, and follow along, and you'll know what is going on with all things John Lodge. Thanks to uh, Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for providing the facilities to do these interviews. You can listen to and, like in this case, watch this interview, GreatestHits98.1.com, greatesthits uh, com. Uh, there you can um, you go to our interviews page, which you'll find at the, at the top of the website just under features. And you can watch and listen to a lot of our interviews. You go to our YouTube channel and you can uh, watch and listen to a lot of our interviews. Thanks to um, folks at Chipster PR, Hadley Wolfram and company for helping to arrange this particular uh, interview. Um, and for the podcast, got time for a quick story. It's on the usual platforms. Subscribe to it so you find out about new episodes and also um, I'll rate it preferably higher so uh, so the word will spread more about this podcast. Got time for a quick story. I'm Luke Anthony.